Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. <laughs> I'm glad that didn't go live. Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. I got it right this time. Uh, we're here. Ak will be joining us any moment. Uh, I believe we will be uh, previewing the Minnesota vancouver series today but uh, we have a lot of other things uh, to discuss and funky in the chat and i have to mention this he said blue and white leaps masks cost 19 dollars and 67 cents that needed to be that needed to be mentioned that that was a good one um okay uh russ start us off with the so i'm going to start with a short one first then we'll get into the little longer one but the short one is uh the now las vegas raiders still are the dumb Raiders. Um, the short story is, you know, back in the day when Al Davis was part of the Titans, he could have been part of the Jets, but right. he didn't buy part of the Jets. So, and they, they froze him out apparently. So then he went to the West coast and started the Raiders. Right. And I think that's what started a lot of the Raiders Jets rivalry. Cause it's not a natural rivalry. So yeah. now we, you know, we're into like the second generation of dumbness for the Raiders and Mark Davis, is fighting the NFL because he doesn't want ads on seats. He thinks he could put people in seats and he thinks he could still have the black hole. And he's like, I'm not roping off anything. I'm going to have full attendance here and I'm not sitting anybody further apart. And it's like, dude, I get it. You spent every last penny on that stadium. End of the day, it's not going to happen, but he really sounds like a jerk trying to push that narrative. Well, it's funny because I, I, I remember – I can't remember who wrote the book on the AFL, but there was also an HBO documentary on the AFL. And right. I remember that Al Davis almost went belly up bankrupt. And it was like, I think it was like maybe 65, 66, something like that. And Ralph Wilson, the Bills owner, had to basically give him a loan to keep them above water. And then they had started having some success. Yeah. So they were they were fine. But yeah, I mean that that fran that franchise has been run as a as pretty much a I mean They've won Super Bowls. They have. They've had their commitment to excellence. But I, I, I think that's that a long time ago, man. Yeah, but now it's commitment to excrement. Yeah, yeah. that's what it's been like. But okay. So well, the obvious big one is Carl Reiner passed away, at age yeah. of ninety-eight, yep. not from COVID, just from old age. And he he's magic. I mean, if you ever watch, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's comedian in Cars, oh, there's yeah. an episode where Seinfeld brings Mel Brooks and. Carl Reiner, their weekly lunch that they get from the deli, like all that stuff is great. Uh, I didn't realize at the time because I was a teenager that he was the producer of The Jerk, but I loved that movie. Wow. That's when yeah. I wasn't a big Saturday Night Live guy. So I didn't, you know, I knew about Steve Martin's gags, but to me, that was peak Steve Martin. It was peak also not being politically correct in a movie because, again, if you try to put The Jerk on regular television now, I don't like like ABC, NBC, whatever. I don't think they would play it right. because of the black jokes and all the other things. But again, Mel Brooks was really good with that, obviously. And Carl Reiner, being minorities themselves, they got it. But And they also had a lot of black actors in their movies. But I just, well, Carl yeah, Reiner was just an amazing guy. He was tweeting right up till the end, too. Good old Nathan Johnson. 
<laughs> Who didn't love Naven Johnson? I mean, it's amazing. Mel Brooks just turned 94 two, two three yeah. days ago. So yeah. you look at what the two of them have accomplished in their career. Um, it's like it's like you talk about try try to make blazing saddles today. Yeah. Oh, well, first of all, blazing blazing saddles. One of the writers on blazing saddles was Richard Pryor, and right, they, and they want they wanted Richard Pryor for the Cleavon Little role, right? But talk okay, talk about giants of of comedy. Richard Pryor, I know, I know that you know. I mean, we know the words that he used to drop in every concert. But you know, I mean, he was an African American, so he could do that. Another, no, he was hilarious. He, he was, he but, make, he was, but he was, but he was Right, he's hilarious. He could make you laugh right from the get go. He didn't have to curse, but he did. But he could make you laugh anyhow. Okay, only a, only a Jew from Brooklyn could write "Springtime for Hitler." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you watch that. I laugh my ass off watching the producers, not the Nathan right. Lane, Matthew Broderick no. one. No, 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 no. These well, are you, also, you also have History of the World, right? Yes. Right. Inquisition. I mean, only yeah. the same thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's all, it's, all, it's all great stuff. I mean, he goes way back to, you know, Dick Van Dyke show, which I did watch in reruns as a kid. Like he's just been a part of it. Two thousand year old man. Um, I, mean, I mean, you know, you think about it. Rob Reiner. Stuff. Yeah, two thousand year old man is an album that everybody in my neighborhood had. Oceans a lot. He was in Ocean, the Oceans movie. Yeah, I didn't care about them so much, but he was. Yeah, but, you know, he still he was still consequential enough to be in there. Yeah, I mean, look, Rob Reiner is probably seventy five years old. Yep. You know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. That's he yeah. He's having an incredible life. I'm still partial to Carlin and listening to some of his old bits are still. Worthwhile, and my favorite still, as you guys know, of all time is Robin Williams. I mean, I was a yeah. Huge yeah I would take Carlin Robin over Williams. all of them. I did see Carlin yeah. live when he was doing the uh, the tours of universities. I saw him at SUNY Geneseo. A friend of mine was going there, and I, you can't match George Carlin. I, I it's I would really tell you, even Robin Williams. The only reason Robin Williams can't match Carlin, it's not that he wasn't as funny. He wasn't as composed. You just right. he couldn't do a two-hour show like that the same way Carlin could. That's the only difference. No, no. Robin Williams was a stream of consciousness. Right. Like you he was the guy that on any talk show, if he went on Mike Douglas, it would be hilarious because it had nothing to do with Mike Douglas. It had to do with Robin Williams just going for 20 minutes. But anyway, I, and I will tell you, I met Eddie Murphy at Roosevelt Field Mall, and he was a jerk. Okay, we can move shot, on now. <laughs> I'm stunned by that. Well, it seems to have a lot of those experiences. You notice that? No, I've had some great ones too, but yeah. he was. We he only was, hear the bad ones. This was this was right after Trading Places, and boy, was he full of himself well, already. He, again, look at, I mean, yeah. Well, you can mildly understand. I mean, great. Okay, but here's the thing: the end of the cliffs, which is I don't know if you remember this. Up, so. I worked in that mall, right? I worked in Roosevelt Field Mall for like three, four years. He was eating at Wags. That was a horrible restaurant in that mall. Horrible. <laughs> and he was eating there. So if he was such a big shot, what the hell was he doing there? He should have been eating at Hands. Well, maybe, maybe Billy Joel was eating at Hands at least. Well, maybe, maybe if maybe if you had <laughs> met Eddie Murphy after Harlem Nights, he would have been nicer. Maybe. <laughs> Excellent. All right, let's get started. Nothing is up for discussion. Here we go. Here's the 30th, right? The 30th for sure? Yes. Okay. Hello, Hockey World. It is Tuesday, June 30th, 2020. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Jan Levine. I'm Russ Cohen, and I think this is Mike's third day in a row with Gray. 
<laughs> and I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And we are going to get to that. Today we're going to talk about the Minnesota-Vancouver series for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but before we do that, uh, the news coming, we have just a little more hosted stuff. We're not going to talk too much about it because we talked about it, about it a ton. Um, my latest, and I know other people are writing this too, but my latest is that the NHL is going to go with be going with Toronto and Vegas. And I was told with also in the announcement would be said that it would, Edmonton would be the backup and um, that they would really, that they're seriously could, because that, there is definitely a fear the NHL has of Vegas and what's happening in Vegas. So um, pretty much like we talked about yesterday, Toronto, but Toronto looks like it's going to probably get this. And I know, I know it makes sense for some things. I know it's going to make it easier for the mainstream rights holders up there for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, it's it's still a pretty big city with potential. There's one change, Jack, yeah. and, and it's a very subtle one. And I did see some people that I know saying, hey, we talked about this yesterday. They're not thrilled as Torontonians with all these NHLers coming through. They are now – people who live there now are going to have to wear masks out in the street. And I think they're doing that knowing that they're going to have an influx now of people here coming from the NHL team. So I think they've done that. And, and it was smart to do it ahead of time. Well, yeah. sort of sort of folded into this story was the report yesterday that another 15 players had tested positive. So that makes a grand total of 26. But the, the number of tests had gone up significantly. So, you know, I know that everybody – I thought it was a sort of a misrepresentative that everybody was just adding the 15 to the to the existing 11 and saying, okay, now it's 10%. No, it's 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 five – it's – basically around 5%. But in a week, week, those 11 players that tested positive might be ready to even play to skate. So I think that, you know, there there seems to be, I want to get everybody thought on this, there just seems to be, and uh, I think it was sort of folded into the uh, report that Eric Engels, former hockey buzzer, made this this morning on Sportsnet, or, or not uh, not on Sportsnet, but uh, via Twitter, Twitter yeah. um, talking about a number of players who were, you know, I think you know they're they're sort of pouring cold water on this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I thought of is, is you know Eric covers Montreal, he covers yeah. them well. I'm sure most of the connections that he has are with Montreal Canadiens players. Yep. yep. Montreal's going nowhere. So of course these players don't want to right. I mean, you know, I know you know I, I, I tend to accentuate that because I'm not a big Habs fan, but the mindset of a team like Chicago or Montreal who have little chance of advancing and winning the Stanley Cup is about the same as the LA Kings when Drew Doughty came out and criticized the whole thing. You go and ask somebody on Tampa Bay or Boston, I'm sure that probably 80% of those players want to play. So that I I think honestly 5% is acceptable for this, mainly because most of that 5%, none of them will ever have long illness from it. Right. Right. The other thing is we have to remember some of these football teams had like 20 something players on one team in college. So it's a whole different thing. I get that people are going to blow it out of proportion. If they, if the NHL just even says there's five more tests that go positive, there'll be another round of people on Twitter saying there shouldn't be a league. They shouldn't bother. I told you they shouldn't bother. But at the end of the day, all businesses are bothering and they're going to try until they can't try until they're out of options. And so, I mean, the NBA has already put out a schedule. 
The NHL is going to have theirs soon. They're going to do all this soon. I don't have a problem with that. We have to see where it's going to go. But again, to just summarily say this is stupid, it shouldn't happen, it's stupid to say because you don't even know where you'll be in a month anyhow, and so you might as well try. Yeah, and I, th- I think I think they are going to get – I mean, in, you know, I think Eric Engels even said that in what basically what Kevin said the other day, that this is a, this is a joining league that, that these, these players are, you know, all for one, one for all type mentality. So and, – And actually, like, one he – he um, copied the text message of, of a player that he didn't identify, of course. Yeah. And even even that player said, you know, we're, we're sort of a go-along, get-along league, and, you know, there's money to be made in the playoffs, and there's financial repercussions. But a lot of these players are like, you know, bedamned the financial repercussions. Okay, well, that that's great. If you, that's, that's fine. But when you come crying yeah. about escrow like Ryan Kessler and Artemi Panarin did, well, excuse me, you're to blame if you want everything shut down because the solution is to play the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, they, and 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 I don't. I mean, the Panarin thing seemed to be very much a uh, an, an agent island. run thing. Yeah, like, it, it might have been, It was. I think it was. It was partially agent run, but it was partially Panarin run too. There's no question about it. Panarin had to agree to that to let that get out there. Um, but yeah, it did feel like an agent thing. It felt like okay, we're you know, I almost to me felt like. I know some players feel like they're giving too much here and not getting anything back. It felt like, you know, some of the agents are going to say, well, if we're going to, if a player is going to risk their, you know, health and all that, let's try to get the escrow out of it. You know, like that was the concept of it. You could tell, you know, but it's no, it doesn't go, it didn't go anywhere fast, you know, and it, and it's not going to go anywhere from now because, uh, Players, for the most part, realize the issues with the NHL. They realize why they have to play too. They're not. I mean, look, at the end of the day, sorry, Jen, I was just going to say the option is they might not have a league to come back to. Then what? We'll, then what would they say if they didn't try and play to save a league? Yeah. Well, and remember for the NHL, right? It's it's a we talked about baseball, right? And there's several players in baseball opting out for family reasons. In basketball, also look at Avery Bradley who did it. You have mm-hmm. Ryan Zimmerman who uh, who did it. You have um, Joe Ian Desmond came out. All all of them. Joe Ross came out. Right? They have valid reasons with some family issues, right? But the big sure. difference, at least in the in Major League Baseball. You're now entering the regular season, right? A whole different aspect when it comes to basketball and hockey when you start the playoffs, right? That's the goal of what every team wants, right? So if they talk about the collective mentality of the league, part yeah. of that may be driven because of the fact that you're you're trying to finalize a season as opposed to start a season. The viewpoint might be very different if you were trying to kick off, let's say, the 2021 season as opposed to completing the prior year and winning a Stanley Cup. Right, right. No, I yeah, I mean, and, and we have to say that the – a complicating factor here is doing, and I understand why they're doing it because they have to, that as part of the return to play plan, they have to fold in, you know, some sort of memorandum of understanding about a new CBA because they have to establish a framework because, you know, the escrow situation, if they don't do that is, is something that, I mean, could cripple the league. They, they need to, you know, flat cap, flat escrow, you right. know, establish some sort of uh, core agreement that can get the league through and past this, you know, and, and then obviously they're going to have a television contract in a year and uh, a few other things that come up, exp- you know, the, the $500 million expansion for Seattle. I mean, they really, they, you know, I mean, all of this has to be done at the same time. And I think it was Brian Burke that said yesterday he could see the July 10th opening of training camp delayed a couple days and it wouldn't be delayed because of, 
COVID, it'd be delayed because they need to get the vote in on the new CBA. And that, you yeah. know, possible. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would be great if they, if they, if they, if we do get that, if we get the new CBA along with it, I mean, that gives, that gives stability for a very long time. It, it will help a lot. We've obviously been through enough of those situations to be, I would, I still feel would be, feel like I would be surprised if that happened still, even though, you know, maybe it's just, you know, gun shyness that we've seen before. Um, but uh, there is no question that there's a positive feeling about it. I've talked to many people who say that they think it could happen. But there is, uh, there is one piece I'm surprised at. And again, we have to see how accurate is. Larry yeah. Brooks reported earlier that there really hasn't been a lot of discussion on the amnesty buyouts, which you guys know since day one, I've thought that that's a way yeah. to help with the flat cap because of the fact there's no rise. We're supposed to go up two, three million this year, this yeah. year as well as this prior year. Having either A, an amnesty buyout, or B, as we've discussed a couple of times, rolling forward a prior buyout and allowing that yeah. cap of dead cap space to come off the books just yeah. seemed to be way too logical of a conclusion to help clear some room because you're yeah. going to run into a really tight crunch now for certain players and within the league as a whole. So, yeah, I was told, Jen, that it's to not going to happen. That's Sydney. what I was told. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I had heard, I had heard something to the effect of that the the owners don't want the the compliance buyout simply because then they're they're basically wasting more money on buying out a player. Right. Whereas a situation that you you said before, Jan, about like not counting uh, a buyout, say like the Leafs have Phil Kessel on the books for another two years, like a million something, that that wouldn't count against the cap. Maybe you know, there, but there are some teams that don't have buyouts. That, so like. Right. It basically would be like a two million dollar coupon. It'd yeah, like but basically, you know, but but again, I think owners did get tired of you buying out player A, player A yeah. going to player to team B and getting signed for a million bucks, and that guy's still getting paid by the other team. That's yeah, why we're not going to see it. Yeah, I think Larry's having fun with people on Twitter because yeah. every fan wants their team to buy out the bad contracts. Right. I don't think the league wants that. Yeah, well, Illy, again, Illy, the owners Illy. are the ones who put themselves in that situation. Of course, they always do. Oh. So, you're yeah. basically bailing yourself out from a thing that you put yourself into. Right. Illy, Illy. I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of owners. So, yeah. I mean, right. there are some owners who, just, who would pay three times this cap if they could. You know, like they just don't yes. care. And those, it, owners, and then those owners, but really what this whole thing does was it plays to the rich. You know, like it gives the rich an advantage. Which the but, young, but Ilya Brizgalov is like the Bobby Bonilla of the NHL. The, you know, the, the Flyers will be paying him for, what, another 35 years or something like that? No, I mean, no, no, not that long. But, I know, but you know, I'm just exaggerating. But you know what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and that, you know, that at the time when they bought him out, Ed Snyder, that, that's, that's tip money for Ed Snyder. But yeah. for other organizations – that that uh, that buyout would be significant. It cleaned a, I think it was like six six and a half million dollar salary off the books, but it's still something that you have to pay. So something else though to roll over for this. So going into next year, uh, Adam Warden, who uh, both Eck and I know, was yep. was posting on Facebook yesterday that he believes that um, we're going to hear from Ivy League schools soon, saying that no sports until at least January and. Honestly, I think every league like the CHL, the NCAA, the AHL, not the European leagues, because the Swiss League says they're starting on time. The KHL says they're starting on time. And I believe that the Finnish Elite League and Swedish leagues will probably start right around on time. But the leagues here in North America all seem like they're heading towards January. And the one thing Major League Baseball did that was good was they extended their rosters to 60 so at least players could practice players that are, you know, 
bonus babies and important prospects for them. I think the NHL is going to have to do the same thing next year because otherwise you're going to have guys sitting literally for nine, 10 months until they play again. And that is horrible for player development. And it's not just a few players. Teams are going to have dozens of players like that. Right. I mean, we, we, and this is in a different sport. We saw the, the, you know, the, the report from Mike Harrington about the Buffalo Bison. So we know that there's not going to be any minor leagues in, uh, in baseball, but in terms of, in terms of the AHL, I would assume that the AHL is probably not going to start. If the NHL is not going to start until January, the AHL is probably not going to start until January because the AHL, unlike the NHL, needs those butts in the seats and concessions to be sold to survive. So, and that's right. probably the same case with, you know, with NCAA hockey, with, with the, with the CHL, but those European leagues, Russ, like we were talking about yesterday, the KHL is, the KHL is starting in September. Yep. The, the Swiss league, the, the, yeah, the, the 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 Swedish league, the Finnish league, they're going to start on time. That's going to be an advantage for them if, you know, obviously if there's – Yeah, I mean a- some players could go over there, but like if you're an NCAA player, you can't because you're going to lose your eligibility. But I'm just saying end of the day, I think teams are going to – I think the league is going to have to do something and put in a, like a mandate and say, okay, we are yep. going to allow this number on a roster – so you can have a taxi squad of players that can at least skate and scrimmage and be coached and get something out of this. Because otherwise, yeah. you know, yeah. the only other thing that's going to happen is there'll be like a virtual, you know, rookie camp uh, at some point after the draft. But again, yeah. other than that, and they'll be able to skate at the center and stuff. But after that, they're not going to have anything. They're not going to have anything. I know. I know. It, it's going to be. It's going to be a bizarre fall for this. I mean, and I do, they do agree that I think all colleges, I mean, this, this is Ivy League, you're starting it, but it's I think two months, colleges, I mean, September. Yeah. Yeah. But, I think but, but the one thing, though, is, and I suggested that there probably should be some sort of mini camp that these teams uh, have available to them, but mm-hmm. a team like Buffalo, a team like Detroit or Ottawa, who did not, who have not played since the middle of March, and who did not make, and aren't going to training camp, and will not play in the 2014 playoff, they will go nine months without playing hockey. So yeah. there had, there has to be probably some sort of special dispensation, some sort of uh, ability of these teams to have some sort of mini camp like the NFL does to get players on the ice other or, you know, or something because they're going to be at a disadvantage when they start up with regular training camps in December because they will be they'll been dormant for all that time. Yeah, yeah there's one more bit of news that um, the Colorado Avalanche are going to bring Bowen Byram, one of their top picks from a couple of years ago, well 2019 actually, to, yeah. to camp and yeah, this is massive. I, I don't want to say yeah. it's as big as Kale McCarr, but I think it's just a slight level below that. Yeah. And I only say that because McCarr had a few more pro, you know, he, I, the NCAA games, I think were really good for McCarr. Yeah. And I think that put him even just a little ahead of Byron, but this guy is an elite skater. He's a tremendous offensive defenseman, but he's also a defenseman that could skate the puck out of trouble. Yeah. Excellent passer can play the power play if they wanted him to, but yeah. even if they throw him on the third pair, yeah. This is another reason why preseason I picked Colorado to win it all because yeah. they have a lot of young legs and they had players that they could possibly add on. And now, you know, the way this situation is, they've, they're they ga- they're gaining depth here. They've gotten ran into skating for the first time today. Yeah. You know, they're going to be – they're going to be – I mean, that, 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 if he actually does play for them, that's going to be crazy. Oh, he's going to play. He's skating. 
Yeah, no, not not Randon, no, but Byron. I mean, oh, Byron. Byron. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a chance. But, but yeah. I mean, it, it, there's it's possible they're doing what other teams are doing with their young players, like having them along, having mm -hmm. them. Yeah, you want them to get used. You want them to see what it's like. You want them to see the because there's a whole other culture there. Yeah, I, I like. I don't think Nick Robertson is going to play for the Leafs. No, but, you know, but but there are some people who think he could, and I'm like, I don't think so. But they want him along. They want him experiencing the playoff. You know the the feel, the tingle, all that. You know they the Leafs have done that with Marley players, uh, who the junior players that they signed. They hung out with the Marleys while they were going through the Calder Cup playoffs. So I think it's a good practice. This is a yeah. different level of player, yeah, though. Here, here's, here's some stats on Vancouver two years ago. Byram had 71 points in 67 games, 26 points in 22 playoff games. This year he had 52 points in 50 games. <laughs> yeah. Like this is a whole different level. Robertson is terrific, but Byron's—he's a little older and yeah. he's a little ahead of him. Yeah, and they, they love him. Actually, about the same age. So. No, so, I think I—I I wouldn't be—I would be shocked if if you bring him into camp, it would be pretty surprising if he doesn't see the ice in any game at some point. So who are you sitting though, Cole or Zadorov? Yeah, I mean it's a no. It's not Zadorov. You're you're not sitting him. Well, who are you uh, sitting? Ian Cole. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I mean it depends. It depends. You know, it depends. Depends who I'm matched up against. Maybe yeah, it's your it's your matchup. I would say I agree. Uh, you're you're sitting. You're sitting. Probably well. You're not you sitting Gerard. You're not sitting McCarr. You're not sitting Ryan Graves. You're sitting Eric Johnson. No, actually, it could be Eric Johnson. Yeah. You're gonna need. You're gonna need some okay. reference in there for sure. Cole has. You might, you might go with seven defensemen. The guard probably go with seven, but the idea is Johnson these days. Cole these days, really good defenders. They're not the best skaters anymore. Yeah, um, and, and and prone to hurt, getting hurt too. I mean, yeah, the, but yeah. this is going to be a, this is going to be quite, um, you know, a, if they go if they go three rounds or so, this is a drudgery. I mean, and that's the thing. They maybe Byram doesn't even play the first round, but well, then all of a sudden Cole yeah. does come up lame. You've got a guy like that to put in. Yeah, you or got that. the back of backs like we've discussed, right? That's yeah, right. Which is exactly. one of the veterans and put the young legs in. Exactly. I would say in the preseason, you probably see Byron because they probably want to see what he can Definitely. do. I had something interesting I wanted to talk about real quick before we get into um, the, uh, the the Minnesota Vancouver series, um, and that was the uh, attendance average leaders came out um, for for the NHL, and they were interesting. Um, and they really were. I mean, just Chicago is number one, you know, twenty one thousand four hundred forty one. That's a gigantic building. But it's a big building, yeah. I mean, they, they are filled, you know, they're filled now. They are capacity, they're, you know, at 108% capacity, that is. So, but that basically means, you know, there's there's standing room places in Chicago, like around the top yeah. of the building that they sell. So you're talking about more than more than 108%. But the, not, the top team at percentage of capacity is 113%. And they're also the third third best team in, in attendance in general is the Dallas Stars, which is, you know, is a really, I mean, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's impressive. And that's especially, for, especially for a team that plays bo a boring style of hockey. They do play boring style hockey, but this is, but for the Dallas model, which I've always been waiting to see it come into fruition. And now you're seeing it. I mean, the model that they did there was such the model that teams need to do in the NHL, the way they built that, you knew it. Like when I, I was there for the all-star game years and years ago. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they really had like the, you, they had us go around and we, we saw the youth hockey system that was going on there. They, they really were proud of their youth hockey system. And what they built there in youth hockey is they built hockey fans, you know, by like when you have youth hockey, they don't all grow up to be hockey players, but they all do, they all do grow up to be hockey fans. And uh, they really built an unbelievable system. I mean, for them to be third in the NHL for them at 113% every game, you know, Big question though, Eck. big yeah. question. 
as a home game, did they get credit for the 85,630 of the winter no, class? No, 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 they did not. They did okay. not. Um, and, uh, you know, that's like, so, I mean, the, the capacity, third in capacity is Winnipeg, um, but it's only 15,000, but, you know, cause they, yeah, they could sell more. It's, it's a hundred. Yeah. That there. And then, you know, fourth is Colorado, which continues to be like the incredible thing about it's the Colorado. To see. Yeah. I mean, Colorado Avalanche, they, they had a big drop off there for a bit in they did. You know, when they were not playing as well. And then people were really worried because, you know, the Avalanche had always been just good. Um, yeah. people remember the Colorado Rockies failed there. Um, but you know. Um, and fifth is Vegas, sixth is Toronto, seventh is Nashville. So it's interesting how like this, and Nashville, you know, Nashville's at you know only seventeen thousand, but they have a small arena too. So, but they're at one hundred and one percent. So there are eleven teams that average one hundred percent capacity. So give me, Eck, tell me where the Flyers were listed on this list. They're not on this list because I only have the top thirteen. That's um, a big. That's a big drop for them. That's a big drop for them. Exactly. I mean, thirteenth is Montreal at ninety nine point one percent, but it is twenty one thousand seats. Well, that's well, that's are also we counting. Are we counting ticket sales? You're talking turnstiles here. They're counting. They're counting uh, turnstiles. So I mean, okay. these are seasons. I mean, these are ticket sales. But there's a lot of like you know, you're talking about a lot of. Uh, but Montreal doesn't have a whole lot of standing rooms. What's going on there? Montreal's got. Like, um, is Buffalo thirtieth or thirty first? They're not on here, and I only have the top. So he only has the top thirteen. So, uh, but you know, I was I was. I in, the Rangers were not on there either. Not on there either. No, they they dropped. But certain teams that are surprising, like Tampa's the twelfth. Twelfth, um, Tampa's had issues, you know, in the past selling tickets. They have had issues very, recent, yeah. very recently. Um, that they're there is is incredible. Uh, the Capitals are tenth. Um, you know, that's no. There's no question that you know the Capitals. It, it, Washington has become like a great hockey city. But you know, for those of us who are older, remember how the Capitals. You know, never, never sell tickets. So, uh, yeah, I do <laughs> want to point out by looking at ESPN. In 2017-18, the Flyers used to be third. So just yeah. to show people, because we go to games, like we see the empty yeah. seats. Oh, yeah. People are not used to hearing that the Flyers have that many empty seats, but they do. They do. You know, <clears throat> in 17-18, the Rangers were 18th. Let's see where ESPN has them this year. Um, 19th. And they keep dropping. I mean, they used to be in the top 10 easy. And, yeah, and some of it definitely has to do with the standing room tickets. The standing room tickets are cheaper. Um, and that's a reconfiguration of the garden, also. So a yeah. lot of that has to do with and the, the price, price of the price points, also for the, the price and the price, price point is big. Like Nashville's not as expensive to go to. Dallas is not as expensive to go to. Probably. Yeah, um, I, I, I can tell you. I can tell you from experience. Unless they've raised the ticket price, that the the price of a purple, which is the three hundred level, the highest level, or standing room at at Eric or now mm -hmm. Scotiabank Bank Arena. Is ninety dollars to ninety five Canadian, which is about seventy seventy yeah. bucks American. That that's got to be the highest price in the NHL for a standing room ticket. Well, I'm going to give you the highest price yeah. one. So the Leafs at three forty six, the Rangers at two eighty one. Is this average ticket price? No, these are the most expensive. The highest oh. ticket price in the, for, for the Predators at two twenty eight, the Oilers at two seventeen, and the Golden Knights at two fifteen. Those Russ Knights overall, though, are the second most expensive ticket as an average of two seventy one. Which the Golden Knights are getting what, pricey. What's, what's the yeah. what's the source for that? Uh, I, I'm fairly sure Fox five in Vegas. So okay. I'm fairly sure that in, in Toronto, the hmm. platinum seats down near the down near the ice are five hundred bucks Canadian. Well, this was going. This was October 20, uh, 2019, So that was just this year. Oh, yeah, really, five, what you can, five, what you can tell about this? 
is interesting is like if you go into StubHub and try to get tickets for, I always look at the StubHub prices before games, just out of right. curiosity, you know, and you can get it, you get a really good sense there of Vegas of is the fifth most. That's what their story was on. Yeah. So Vegas was the fifth most on the secondary market. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, there you have it. I mean, then, and you know, for Philadelphia, like for the Flyers, for most games, you know, if you want to go the day of the game on StubHub, you can go for like 10 bucks, you know, easily. You know, sometimes you less. You never used to be able to do. You never yeah. could do right. So it's obviously, you know, it's a team that's, it, it, it's, it's an economic. Yeah. When issue. you lose, you lose attendance sometimes. Yeah. You do. If yeah. you, if you want to go on StubHub to get a Sabres ticket, they pay you 10 bucks. Um, <laughs> one, one little note here before we start our uh, Vancouver, Minnesota preview and uh, in a story that we've been following for a couple months uh, Steve Eiserman made an interesting comment on Friday um, from when he had his press conference after they were picking fourth. Uh, it was regarding how uh, no teams have the, the testing that they have normally done at the NHL draft combine. And he, re he responded, every team but one, actually, meaning the Arizona Coyotes. And it's conspicuous right. that in oh, spite yeah. of the lottery taking place, uh, and we know the draft is not going to take place until October, that this this story in terms of the penalty for what they did is still unresolved. Now, are they going to bury this? Uh, no, they won't bury it. But, you know, it seems like they're not going to do much financially because they can't afford much financially. So yeah. it's probably going to have to do with draft picks. Yeah, they'll and, probably. You know, I don't know if it'll be one or two in two different years, how they're going to do it. Well, what else, what else, I don't what blame Eiserman. I don't blame Eiserman for saying it yeah, because yeah. in draft prep, which everybody's in right now, they yeah. don't have access to what the Coyotes have access to. Right. What I was, right. was going to say, Ross, is that are they going to bury it like the New England Patriots buried their penalty by signing Cam Newton the same day? <laughs> they, could. they could. They could bury this like during the play-in round and say, "Hey, by the way, Arizona's yeah. been fined a you know two million dollars in a second-round pick." Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, it's be it'll be I don't know. That'll be interesting. We'll follow that for sure. All right, let's talk about Minnesota and Vancouver. Okay. Um, this is the last series that we haven't discussed, and uh it's an it's a tough one to pick. Um these are very, very different teams. Uh when they played each other this year, they uh my guys list there. Um when we play when we played each other this year, the Canucks won the first game, the Wild won the second two, and all of them were like four three games. They were pretty high scoring pretty interesting matches and they were all kind of late in the season too which didn't, they didn't play into each other until the end of january then they played twice in february so um there's a couple different like rot couple different matchups here that are that are fascinating i think to probably start first with the goaltending you know like what we think of the difference between the goaltending here for these two teams because you know you got you know minnesota obviously has a combination of two goalies um and Stalock was the better goalie we've talked about this mm -hmm. which i mean it okay it is under, let's just start with this. It was understandable because of what was going on with Devin Dubnik and his right. family. Yeah. That, you know, because this is easily his the worst year of his career since he played, I think, for Edmonton. Right. So, yeah. understandable. And, you know, Stalock played 38 of their uh, 70, I think it was 70 games. Yeah. Um, Safer is 9-10. That's not. 2.67 yeah. goals against average for Stalak versus a 3.35 for Dubnik. Right. And his save percentage is an average, 9.10, as opposed to Dubnik's 8.90. 9.10 is not fantastic. It's average. It's okay. Yeah. And and Stalak, at best, I think, is an average 1B-type goaltender. So 
you give the Canucks the advantage of that because if Markstrom is back, he was having a Vesna Trophy type season. He was probably their MVP this year, Markstrom. You know, and that's the you know I've talking to people. It's, I mean, you, you can debate this for sure, but I'm talking to people in Vancouver yesterday, and I was preparing. There's no question that uh, they a lot of them would say that you know what do you think your girl thing? Well, Markstrom, who is you know he's big, he's six six. You know, for those people like remember, he's like and he, he was big and great and just completely dominated at certain levels. And as and of course is also a free agent, you know, UFA at the end of the year. So that's kind of a fascinating thing to watch as this plays out. But yeah, I, I guess you got to go with the Canucks there, and you got to wonder. Yeah, they get a little edge. I mean, the tandem yeah. is better in in Minnesota, but the one singular goalie is better with Vancouver. Yeah. So assuming Markstrom is healthy, um, you know, this this is a huge series for Markstrom in every which way. You know, like he. Yeah, he's he's for his pay basically. He's playing for his pay. For pay, and also knowing that you know he's you know Demke's coming up, you know, and he's Demko's he's, close. Yeah. Demko's Demko. Demko's close, and he's going to be the guy, probably. You know, eventually. Yep. Um, another big statistic that I noticed in this, these, between these two teams is the, uh, first of all, you have like, you know, the offense versus defenses, like the, the Canucks are very young, very young offense. You know, they've got to, but they're very good. They've got two solid lines. Um, you know, Peterson, Bester, Miller, usually, or, you know, usually their top line. Um, if Brock Bester's back, which he is right. We all hear he's I believe he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like Horvat, Pearson to Foley as their second line. Those are two really good lines. Um, and you're going against a very old um, and slower Minnesota defense. You know, I think that's, a, I think the speed of the defense versus versus the speed of Vancouver's offense matters in the series a lot. Well, uh, I, I want to something to that. I, I want to get everybody's impression on this because what is, who is the real Minnesota Wild? Is it the Minnesota Wild that played like 60 games under Boudreaux, or is it the Minnesota Wild that after he was fired was red hot and, you know, made a run, made a dash for the playoffs? It, I, it's I the don't... Bill Guerin Minnesota Wild. Yeah. I think you have to go with the latter, although, yeah. you know, it's, we'll see what happens when they resume play. The good news is, is that whatever habits they may have had that they still needed to learn, get rid of from the old coaching staff. Yeah. They've now basically can come fresh and have a quick camp to get up to speed with yeah. the ability to practice, which I'm sure will benefit them compared to what they probably had previously. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. The one thing I would say Eck, is while I like young players like Zach McEwen, I, I watched him play in Utica. Um, yeah. uh, Adam Gaudet, another one, you know, third and fourth lines, you know, Vertanen's having a real, real finally playing really well. Third and fourth lines are kind of weak. For Vancouver, where really Minnesota rolls four really good lines, and a yeah, guy yeah. like and a guy like Zuccarello could be really dangerous. Who's had good playoffs before because he yeah. kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Well, yeah. I mean, I, you you look at you look at the 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 Wilds roster here, and their leading point getter was Kevin Fiala with fifty four points. Yeah, uh, their leading goal scorer was Zach Parise, thirty five year old Zach Parise, who they tried to trade at the deadline, by the way with 25 goals. They're yeah. just, they're not, they're, they're not an awe inspiring well, offense. But here's the thing, Mike, about that, even strength, they were fourth in the NHL offensively. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like as, as much as they, they don't have the one like star type, but Russ is right when he's saying, you know, there, there's fourth that there's, you know, there's four lines there. It's definitely. And their top four defensively is better than Vancouver's yeah. top yeah, four. Well, yeah. So the flip side of that, I'll go with. So, Minnesota clearly was looking to the future, obviously, when they made their deals, right? They moved Zucker. They were talking about Parise. Deal right. fall through the cracks. 
On the flip side, the thing that I do like on the third and fourth line for Vancouver, which I think is something to watch, when you're getting Michael Furlan back and you know he can yeah. be an agitator, you have the same thing with Antoine Roussel. Both yeah. of those guys are kind of guys who are who are poop stirs and can kind of mix things up and change the tone mm -hmm. of the game. That's yeah. I think, an advantage that they have. When you couple that, when you go against their first two lines that are scorers, yeah. totally different dynamic that you have to face within a game when yeah. you go from the first two lines to the last two lines there. Yeah, Roussel, Roussel and I'll say this in the most positive sense, he's a weasel. And, yeah. you know, but he's the type of guy in a playoff scenario playoff? Yeah, who will get under your skin and drive you crazy. So that, it's, that could be effective. I mean, the guy who really is coming into his own for Minnesota is Kevin Fiala. You know, yep, he is, right. He has been, and this was this was you could see this coming. I mean, Fiala oh, yeah. always had this, always had this huge ability. I still can convince to this day that the Predators probably win the Stanley Cup that year if Fiala doesn't go out in the first round. Yeah, that really but, hurt him because he was he was doing well. Yeah, he was, was doing, still was a horrible trade in my opinion. Oh yeah, he can. You no, know, I agree. He can fly. Um, and he's been a great he's, – he's been with Eric Stahl and Greenway, and that line has been really something. I mean, they've been like – that is a fun line to watch. Three different kinds of players, um, all of whom, you know, can do different things. That's a, that's a tough line. And when you look at the Minnesota – I mean, look at the Vancouver defense has got to match up against those guys. You don't see a whole lot that can, you know, like that, you know, in my opinion. Like, you know, I mean, you've got Edler, you've got Stetcher, you know, you've got Myers. Tanev. Yeah, I mean, those aren't. That's not. That is a really weak. Line. It's not a playoff. I mean, they'll play team. four, and their four is okay. They're okay, but that's not a playoff defense to me. Like that's not well, a playoff defense. It, it, look, Quinn Hughes is as good as almost any oh, defender yeah, no, in the I mean, league right no, now. He's he's also he's also much more of an offensive player than a defense. No, no, but but he's still going to have the puck, and other guys won't. Like yeah. they could cover up some ills with that, and and Suter had an amazing year too. I mean, yeah. we should talk about the amount of minutes that get thrown on him, but. End of the day, I'll, I'll give Minnesota the edge on defense, yeah. but I will say that Vancouver could cover up some of their ills with young legs that they have on defense. Right. And, you know, then they do have veterans like Edler too. So it's it's not horrific. I mean, certainly uh, Hughes has helped them a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the, little, the little trade deadline, sneaky move that the Wild made, which no one thought was going to pay off but did in the 14 games was Alex Yelchenyuk. Um, yeah, that was smart. We talked about it, though. We did. Yeah, he had seven points in 14 games for the Wild. Well, he's singing um, for a supper. He's, he's right. It was a no-risk move. It really he's was. Had so many, so many. You know, he's like the nine lives of Alex Gilchenyuk. You know, this is like this is number five. And, and remember, uh, there's yeah. nobody on Vancouver Ek that's like Miko Koivu. They don't yeah. have a guy like that. Yeah, that's who's true. Through wars like that. Well, I mean, the closest they have is a guy who's been hurt like off and on the last three seasons, and he's not as good as Koivu, but a guy like Brandon Sutter, right? That, that type of player, but he never can stay healthy. Now, I, I think we know the answer to this, but until it's officially answered, we have to consider it as a uh, an un, uh, like a situation that could swing the series one way or the other. We know that Minnesota wants to sign Kirill Kaprizov. Right. If they do. If he's available for the playoffs, that yeah. gives them a scorer that they didn't think they were going to have. And yeah, I don't think they're going to get him, though. I don't think so either. But either. Either. until the NHL makes that decision, factor it in. It's possible. I, I mean, the Wild had 11 forwards with 20 points, um, and I don't think I don't know if anybody else in the NHL can say that. that. That's 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 a lot of forwards. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they could roll four lines. Yeah. Their four lines are really acceptable. Not one of their lines is better than. The top two of Vancouver, but the yeah. four 
are valuable. And if they roll four, they could cause some problems for Vancouver. There's no question about it because you could love Anton Roussel all you want and Zach McEwen and guys like that. But at the end of the day, the Zuccarello line and the Koivu line will, will end up beating those lines and beat them in faceoffs, beat them in a lot of things. Yeah, and I don't often get into the uh, possession course these type things, but there is a really telling one in this one, which is that you know Hughes is the Hughes like you talked about. Oh yeah, it's amazing. He's the only, he's the only Canucks defenseman though with positive possession numbers, um, while the Wild have eight forwards, you know, above fifty percent with the Corsi ratings. Um, so that is um, that when you talk about possession, that means the Wild are going to have the puck a lot. You know, like this is the Wild. Yeah. Wild are going to have the puck, and the and you're going to look at you're looking at a counterattack game out of Vancouver. They have to stop the puck. That's their big thing. Yeah, but power plays. That's the last thing I'll say about this thing. Um, was always a big deal, right? And mm-hmm. um, in this one, you do have a really interesting thing because you have the uh, Canucks are fourth in the fourth in the NHL um, in power play, while the Wild's penalty kill is twenty fifth. So there, you're looking at you know a really good yeah. power play versus a really bad. Hughes and Pedersen, man, you know, and you don't want to put those guys on the power play. Right. Hughes, Hughes Pedersen, and Besser. Besser, right? Or, 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 or that's pretty yeah. dark. Yeah. Also, they have to stay out. They have to stay out of the box. Yeah, <laughs> and they just added Tut Foley, which is also a nice add for them. As yeah, well. that's a nice add. Yeah, the they have to. Sorry, Minnesota has to keep it even strength if they want to win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Vancouver power penalty kill is right about in the middle. Uh, they're 16th in the NHL. Um, the Wild power play is 11th. So that's basically two kind of middle road teams there. So it doesn't matter as much as it does for the uh, for the Wild to stay out of the penalty box. Also, when you look at the, the like I said, they're the fourth best scoring team, 5-1-5. So the, the Wild want to stay even strength. Yeah, um, they do. So the way the game is refed, you know, could play into it. That does play into it. You know, you've got refs who are going to call. It'd be interesting to see how they We have going. no idea what the refs are going to be like right. in the new be season. I know. Are they going to be going, like, normally in the beginning of seasons, we see refs calling more penalties, right? And, um, that, you know. And I that, think they're going to be in playoff swallow the whistle mode for a lot of it. I think they're, I think they are, too. I think they're going to be very reluctant to be the difference makers in these games. Yeah. Well, it's not like the home crowd's going to sway a call. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That is true. I mean, so that'll be, so yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot. I mean, as far as picking this one goes, <laughs> anyone guess? I think um, it's hard. I, I would say this: if Minnesota had Dubnik at his best, I think they could win this series. Yeah. Now, you know, maybe emotionally he is more straightened out after you know, five, four, four or five months away from the game. And, yeah. you know, he, he can return to the goalie. We all know he is, but I'm going on the assumption that, you know, it's possible they're going to go with Staylock because Staylock was their, their go-to guy. And if that's the case, I, I'm picking Vancouver in four. I think that they're better offensively. Uh, I know that Minnesota's got more veterans and usually I go with a team that has veterans, but I think the offensive ability of the Canucks and they're, you know, if they if they get good goaltending out of Markstrom, I think they'll win this series going away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's possible. Wrestle your thoughts. Yeah, I'm going to go Vancouver with a three-two, uh, simply because maybe Markstrom won't be a hundred percent, but still an eighty-five percent Markstrom is better than what the Wild have, and I, I do worry about um, if Vancouver plays at a high pace, can Minnesota keep up that pace? That's what I would worry about on the Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll agree with Russ three two Vancouver. My my wild card though on the Minnesota side is Kevin Fiala. If Fiala plays like he did 
earlier this season. And if that, hey, you talked about speed. He's the guy on Minnesota that has speed. Yeah. If he can, if he can change a game with his speed, especially against even against the Hughes pairing, that to me would flip the edge to Minnesota slightly. But I do feel like Markstrom and Net better, and also Vancouver went out and got Foley in order to try to win this year. I right. do think it's a major key for them on the second line. And do you think do you think David Poyle would like to have that trade for Michael Granlund back? That's what I said before. Yeah, I mean that's just you know that that trade has not turned out well for them, especially no. since Granlund yeah. is a guy who's going to walk away or they're going to let go in free agency. This this I think it, there's this, a question that needs to be asked. Um, you brought up David Poyle, even though it's not this series. When we get to yeah. when we get to Nashville. If they bottom out in this first round of the playoffs, do you think Poyle's going to walk away? There's going to be a point where he's going to retire. Uh, I don't get it. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not I yet. Mean, this hasn't been a great like last couple of years for him. Yeah, I mean, it's, they have they have definitely. I mean, this, they're at that point right now where you know you're going to find to be shaky for them. Do they get as far as they can get or not? You know, like that. That's the issue, right? So yeah. are they? Are they heading back down, or or was right. that year's playoff? I mean, then this you know this year's playoffs going to be tough. I mean, they have a tough they have a tough matchup, and Arizona is going to be tough on them. Um, that's a really bad. That's a, not a great matchup for them at all. Uh, so yeah, I don't. I don't. But I, Poyle seems like it, my 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 guess would be he would be moved to like the president of the team or something like that, and still be a GM. But like Holmgren is kind of in Philly. Yeah, I could see that. Still be making decisions, but not as but but giving the job over to somebody else to actually handle the day by day. Maybe maybe they'll bring Paul Fenton back. That won't happen. I know. I'm kidding. Yeah, they, they couldn't wait. They were thrilled when they when he got when he got. Yeah, yeah. that was one of the worst uh, experiments yeah. in hockey. Unfortunately. It was unfortunately, it really was. Um, yeah. So I mean, my pick on this, I'm. I think I'm going to go Vancouver in five too. I don't mean, I, and I, I don't want to. I wouldn't like to be able to say Minnesota, but the thing, the thing to me that's that we have to look at going into all of these series is that there's almost there's been like an off season that's happened here, yeah. Uh, which is like which brings a maturity to players when they start again. It's like they are starting a year a year older. So you're looking at like these guys who are young. We're talking about they're young on Vancouver are all a year more experienced. And and conversely, you're talking about a team that was old with an old yeah. score like Minnesota with right. 35 year old guys like Parise, 34 year old like Eric Stahl and Suter and Koivu, and now they're almost a year older after yeah. being dormant right. for five months. That could have an effect. They could, you know, a couple of them could be basically washed. And I'm yeah. not, you know, but it's it's feasible that after inaction, they could be. You know, not close to what they were, and that could be a difference in the series. If nothing yeah. else, fans have to be happy with what with the short term effect of Bill Guerin, and I think he'll continue yeah. to have an effect there. He's a great, he's a great GA, he's a great choice for their GM. Yeah. I mean, you know, he just brings a, he brings what they needed, which is especially in that that town is such a hockey town. They needed a real, they needed a hockey a hockey guy there. Like he, they needed a, they needed an old school American hockey, guy. and they got the perfect guy. I mean, Bill Guerin is like. He's an American hockey guy. He is like he's got like the greatest attitude about life in general. He'll come into the room. He's a great player, which the players respect other players who played the game. You know all this stuff. There's a lot of stuff that goes right for Bill Garrett with Minnesota. All right, we do have breaking news that the NHL has agreed to the RFA nonsense. So, and even if this guy, this guy is Blaine Potvin, uh, hockey writers, but even if he's not right, we know that that's going to pass. Like it's going to happen today. It's. I know Brooks wanted to have some fun with people and say, look, 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 this hasn't been signed yet, but it, it's going to get signed. I want, 
So the, gonna, the extend the extension of the contract past the yeah 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 that's we're yeah. gonna start I think we're gonna start hearing that breakout. So um, what what that what that means just the you know what that means is free agency is gonna start November first. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. So so unrestricted free agent. So folks, after a full four rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs, after it's over in the early October, and after the NHL draft in October, you're gonna have free agency for a month, and then it's time for training camps. Get ready for wall to wall hockey. Oh yeah, that we're gonna talk you for the next twenty four months, like I said, basically. Like once this Yeah, month, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. There is another few months off probably in twenty four because the next season's gonna go long and it's gonna be it's gonna stretch everything into that one too. So you're gonna have like, you know, these playoffs the next two seasons just constant hockey. There is another breaking story. Um, the team in Seattle who doesn't have a name, yeah. uh, they've done a good job. At least they named their arena, which I've never heard of an arena being named before the team, but okay. Um, but they're also going to be the first carbon neutral arena in the world, and they're going to use recycled seawater for the for the rink water. And and that's, that's an amazing thing because I want to say it was about four or five years ago when the NHL started their green program where they were using recycled water for for the ice because you know that is something that you were people were looking at i know people have stepped on the carbon neutral stuff and i don't think no, that's fair to have done that it's awesome i mean minnesota does you know that minnesota does their ice from the lakes up there that they yeah. have um you know they have the fans can come and pour a bottle of uh of their their favorite lake onto the arena which i love yeah great thing but um but yeah but recycling this is big like this is a big thing no, it is it is it definitely is. And the interesting thing about that, of course, is, you know, they would be desalinized water because, um, you know, salt water has a really high freezing point. If you, you know, if, you know, obviously if you want to ever like get beer cold and keep beer in a cooler, you put salt, salt in there, you know, with the ice and that, that gets, ice is cold. Everything's colder with ice, yeah. salt, you know, and obviously this is, this is ocean water that's been desalinated, of course. But yeah. So Jeff, Jeff Bezos is going to come in in a big way in, in the NHL and, and that's, you know, I think that's impressive. I think that's also showing how, how this league has sort of moved forward with technology and things like that. And I do think that's going to score points with fans, especially in that area, because it's a very environmentally friendly area because they have to be. I mean, and it makes sense for the Kraken to play on frozen ice water, right? <laughs> and, and they better have the best coffee in the league in the arena. Yes. They should. But no but no outlets. No, and there are, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Nothing but angry grunge music in every intermission. Yes. Um, one, one that's, little, that's the best part. That's what they should have. They should. Uh, one little note, breaking news here. Not well, breaking, it was an hour and a half ago. But uh, Elliot Friedman reports that part of the memorandum of understanding will be a uh, an agreement to go to the Olympics, which, yeah. I mean, I guess it's a foregone conclusion. But the NHL played this right. They got something for mm -hmm. almost nothing, which was the whole point of this. They got the players to probably give up something to go to the Olympics, and they got the concessions from the International Olympic Committee to, you know, to get like replay and a few other things that they could market the game out of them. So this is a grand slam home run for the NHL in terms of what they got out of it. It was a nothing issue for them. They didn't go to the Olympics in Pyeongchang, and now they're probably getting something tangible in the CBA for going to the Olympics. Uh, yeah, and I wonder I wonder how that affects the World Cup of Hockey, you know? That's what I always think about with the Olympics, you know? Like, do you have both? Can you have both? Can you can both exist? Well, I think they're going to have to cancel the World Cup now. I think it's not going to happen. 
Well, yeah. I, the whole plan is to do it every like in the two like the year the same year as the, uh, right. the summer Olympics. To say, so every other every two years you have every two years you have one of those. Like I think honestly, I think Gary Bettman would trade having this new CBA for the one year that they were going to have the World Cup now and just push it down the road again. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I mean, we really, I mean, I'm, re, I'm, th I'm thrilled to have the NHL players in the Olympics because, you know, we have, we're going to, they're going to be such great battles, you know, and I can't wait to see, you know, the young, this young American team play together and, and all kinds of things. I'm really, yeah, like, just so they could disappoint us again when they lose to Canada again. Right. You know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, they, will they be, will they be <laughs> nice. ripping, ripping, ripping? Oh, I'm sorry. What, Jan, have we seen anything different? Will they be ripping? Well, you don't want to hear it. <laughs> Will they be ripping apart the hotel in Beijing like they did in Nagano? That uh, was Chris Chelios. Yeah, it's a different story. Uh, Ronick was a part of it. So Ronick was, was a big part of that. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's always going to be the Canadians always have the centers, right? They always have the crazy centers. And, and, and they, they're going to bury a toonie in the ice and they're going to do whatever they can. The Americans are going to have better. Especially got voted to the hall and had to see that he's the one who made the pass. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Americans' defense is going to be phenomenal. I mean, that's just there's going to be, you know, to me, that's like, you know, and then goaltending. It will be, but they're still going to have McDavid and Crosby. Yeah, they're going to say exactly. That's the you're going that's to have a problem, McDavid. right? That's a problem. I, I don't right? want to. I don't want to be a downer, but I'm just saying that's a problem. I mean, we like, may have Matthews well, and Eichel, but you know, McDavid's and Crosby are McDavid. Well, and Crosby. Russ, what we'll need is to find the American version of Bobby Clark to do a Valerie Harlamoff <laughs> on McDavid, and then everything. Well, that would be Brady Kachuk, I guess. Well, yeah. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew. Matthew. It's but the problem is you do that in the Olympics, you won't be able to play in the next Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you win a gold medal, maybe worth it. Darn. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, guys, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it, as always. Um, we'll be back again tomorrow. If you're interested in supporting the show, go to um, patreon.com slash hockey, and you can support the show that way. Um, any bit, little bit helps, and it helps keep the show going. Patreon.com slash hockey. If that'll you, go directly to me and it'll feed me because I, I need to be fed. We need to feed our writers. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, but okay. We do. We need to buy more t-shirts, right? Um, all right, so folks, remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.